Welcome to the Outer Circle Inner Stillness, conversations and reflections on the spiritual life and the sobriety life and altogether uh, cultivating a healthy inner life that includes lots of thoughts, lots of emotions, lots of spiritual things and the body as well. So today we're talking, uh, we talk about parts a lot, so we're talking more about the body part today and I'm very excited to, to do so. Uh, I'm here in the virtual studio with Jenny Hayo and very glad to uh, be, be back with her. Uh, hello, Jenny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm well. I'm, I'm up on time. I got a little bit of stretching in and, uh, and I'm feeling clean. So it feels good. Smart you. You used your body. I used my body. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things that doesn't let me ignore it for very long. Mm-hmm. without dire consequences so mm-hmm. yeah yes. the body has a lot to say it does indeed mm-hmm. um can you say a little bit more about um who you are and uh, i know you work with uh, a lot of healing practices of various sorts um but yeah where what's your corner of the professional world the the ifs world and uh yeah i'm jenny again and i'm really happy to be here and you know, I think from a somatic standpoint, I come uh, first and foremost from the yoga traditions. And so I uh, started doing yoga in my 20s. I'm in my late 40s now and uh, found yoga to be the first place where I really remembered my body for the first time as a human. You know, doing practices, yoga can be very detailed and ask you a lot of questions about your muscles and your bones and you know, how things feel. And it was really the first practice that I had to kind of wake me up into that um, realm of the body. So I'm very grateful for that. And uh, as my yoga practice evolved, I became much more interested in the meditative traditions of yoga versus the postural, you know, movement traditions of yoga. So I spent and still do many years, decades in the yoga meditation system and yoga philosophy and spiritual system. And I found like this disconnect between um, the way I meditated versus the way I was in my body when I was moving. And so over time, I found um, actually a Tibetan Buddhist tradition that is very much about meditating with the body. And when I started meditating with the body was the first time that I kind of married those worlds of meditation and somatic experience in the body and changed everything. And from there had just this ongoing uh, longing to really study the body from a more of an awareness standard rather than a movement place. And then that led me to a lot of the psychology that comes with the body, right? A lot of understanding uh, how the body and the mind are, once some people would say the same, (laughs) or synchronized or not synchronized well. And uh, that led me to all kinds of things, including Hakomi, which is a kind of a body-centered therapy. And then now to where I am today, which is working with IFS, and um, part systems and how the parts show up in the body. So that's my that's my bio for you. 
I love it. I love the journey and the different cultures and different traditions that all get woven together. And mm -hmm. uh, in this idea of uh, remembering the body, which I definitely want to, I want to remember to ask you about that. Uh, for uh for for the listener who might be a little bit new to some of these things uh i know like i said we we've talked about ifs internal family systems on the show a few times so so we're kind of familiar with that sense of the the person is a system of parts you know managers protectors the exiles defenders things like that um can you say a little bit more about what is what is hakomi uh what it, or what yeah. is a yes yeah, so Hakomi is a system that was started like probably in the 70s by this man, Ron Kurtz. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very body-based system, more than I would even say IFS is where when you're trained in Hakomi, like in IFS, you're looking for parts. And in Hakomi, you're watching body patterns. And, you know, if you marry these two worlds, you could say that you're watching how a part expresses in the body. They wouldn't use the word part, but that's how I would describe it. So you're getting to know parts um, through how the, like even me doing this gesture, right? This is a, a teaching part of me that has this gesture as I teach, right? So I can get, you can get to know parts through how people are living in their bodies and start to uh, see what is showing up in the body. Is it is it more of a defensive part or a defensive body structure? Is it more of a exile or you know vulnerable um, structure that's there? And you can just like you do in IFS start to really meet all these places in ourselves that are held in the body that you can have a relationship with and start to maybe experience in a way that is supportive of your life yeah watching body patterns or watching how parts manifest in the body and uh so there there i'm thinking about uh just in integrating different concepts so in in, in counseling in the counseling world uh you know we're kind of familiar with the phrase you know the body keeps the score or in like the dance movement therapy world they'll say you know the body never lies uh, and I think to talk around how uh, the body, the, the very physical material flesh holds energy, holds emotion, yeah. holds memory. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sounds like what you're saying is that those memories and emotions and parts uh, expressed through the body, through through movements, postures, sensations. Uh, and I would imagine sometimes outside of our conscious awareness, is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I'm thinking of how as in a, in a therapeutic model, like someone can be talking to me and saying one thing, but their body's doing something completely different. <laughs> They're I'm like, so oh, I'm great, you. you know, but their shoulders <laughs> are like up here around their ears. And so there's a, a lot of unconscious expression in the body based on the body holding, carrying burdens, traumas, you know, our story is held in the body. So that that definitely is, Hakomi is very interested in that, like what isn't being said or what is more that needs to be seen here to help work through this dilemma or this situation. Um, so the person can learn more about what their system is doing, right? And have choice there. Yeah, 
That's really great. <laughs> and my the first time I went to see a counselor, one of the things she, she often pointed out was my my bouncing leg because I I was doing this with my leg, and I was like, I've always done that. My mom does that. What? It's not a problem. And then, but she was like, Are you anxious about something? I mean, she said it more tactfully than that. Um, and <laughs> turns out I was. I was very anxious. So, yeah. uh, come to think of it, so was my mom. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's really good. Can be so like you know, people do things like me with my hand gestures or you and your bouncing, like, you know, we've carried it for so long, you know, we can carry it long enough that we don't notice it, right? That's one thing. Or we've just carried it so long that it just feels like it's just a part of us or it's, a, you know, something that's happening to us. But what we've seen with all of these modalities is if we really pay attention to it, if we really bring awareness to it. If we really start to ask questions about it, we, we find more we understand more about what's going on in someone's system. I think I see that as being one of the really big overlaps between what I know of Hakomi, what I know of somatic experiencing, and definitely what I've learned of, of internal family systems is it's they're they're noticing traditions. They're very curiosity-based, very, uh, I'm uh, becoming aware of something, I'm seeking awareness of something, and then uh, just really gently, non-judgmentally sitting with that and seeing, well, what else can I become aware of of this awareness that I have? And uh, and sounds like the 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 modalities you're talking about uh, really take that out of just like the head region into the in, in into the body. And I would say that's a cornerstone of all somatic work. You know, is that it's really an awareness. These are awareness-based systems where you're. Your curiosity, your kind awareness, your loving presence, your um, gentle attention, like all, all these ways that you can be with something is really what matters. It's, you know, somatic work is different than like exercise per se, right? Because in exercise, you're just, you got agenda and you're just doing your thing and you're pumping your muscles and getting your heart rate up. But in somatic work, it's there, you know, there's really this like in all these traditions, this kind of letting go of agenda and really seeing what's there and can I stay with this long enough for me to learn something. I wonder if you might actually say a little bit more about that. And, and I'm asking that as someone who aspires to be a, a little bit athletic. I mean, I do yoga, I swim, I run a little bit, uh, I do like a little bit of weight, uh, weights, um, not in any really dedicated, serious manner, but, but in... <laughs> In trying to to move my body, uh, there there's a sort of awareness that comes about. Um, I, I think I have a sense of what you're talking about. The difference between I'm I'm moving my body versus like I'm really aware of my body. Um, uh, but but I'm thinking about that difference between how like someone who's doing weights has to be kind of aware of like their body's limits and capacities versus like the kind of awareness you're talking about. I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it's one of my favorite subjects coming from the yoga world, you know, and the, we see this in the yoga world a lot, just where um, I would say that a lot of Western yoga has lost the awareness-based system part of it and has just turned towards postures and even performative states and, um, you know, kind of egoic, mindless movement that, you know, not to knock all yoga, but that's definitely something that we've seen. and. You know, I think anyone can go for a run. You could go for a run for an hour and come home and not really have felt your legs the whole time you were running. 
you know, you can, you can go for a run or, or be doing exercise and just be thinking in your head the whole time. In fact, people say that all the time, like, oh, if I want to think, I just go for a run or a walk. <laughs> that's where I do my problem solving and my thinking. And that's great. There's like zero wrong with that. But this is something different than that. This is, you know, you can move in a way that is encouraging awareness. Right? You can go for your run and feel your heart rate change and your breath rate change and your legs move and your feet get tired. You can have a lot of awareness in the ways that you're moving your body or not. And that becomes, you know, a choice in some way or a practice. It's really about practice, right? We can practice having awareness with our body at any moment, you know, I think that people can feel like, oh, I'm really embodied uh, just because I use my body a lot. And I think there's a difference, like if we use that word embodied, you know, embodied means to know the body. You can use your body a lot and not know your body. Or you can use your body a lot and know it really, really well. That's, that, that seems to be out true in relationships also. Uh, <laughs> Say like, more. Right. Oh, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about the way. Um, okay. So, so I do uh, a lot of uh, addictions recovery work, specifically around uh, you know sexual addictions. And what we often discover is there's people who can be very sexual with people, uh, but not actually know them, or they can be having these intense sexual experiences, but actually in a way that's very disconnective from definitely from their emotions definitely from thoughts often from values and and in a sense even from the body too in that you know like the sometimes the sexual some of the more imbalanced sexual experiences can be so very like genital focused and you know pleasure orgasm focused uh, rather than what we try to invite these folks into is a more holistic more embodied more full body sensory uh in in my line of work i encounter folks who you know will take these uh, you know, you know, physical sexual risks without taking emotional risks, and we'll have these intense, you know, physical sexual experiences that still manage to disconnect them from most of the rest of their body. And uh, that was what I was thinking when when you had said, if I remember that your your phrasing was really cool, something like like you can be using your body and not aware of your body, or mm -hmm. yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense, you know, or the mind's powerful, right? You can use certain parts of your body and, and disconnect from other parts of your body. There's, there's, uh, it can get really um, specific in what's available to us, what kind of access we have to the body or not. And I think that what you're saying when you're offering for people to have uh, more holistic experiences, like where their whole body or more parts of their body are engaged in some way or more parts of their experience are engaged in some way, right? That when you probably go into that conversation, people are meeting things in themselves that maybe are hard to meet or a little scary or um, new or what they've actually been trying to avoid the whole time, right? That there's, there's probably a lot there. Very often. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, very, very often when we talk, uh, I'm, I'm starting to incorporate this more is I'm asking, you know, what's, what's a part, what's a thought, what's the feeling you notice? Uh, I'm starting to ask more often, you know, uh, how does your body let you know about this? Uh, which is a, a phrase that I picked up in a book around uh, IFS and somatic experiencing. Uh, and 
you know, get everything from people who are saying, here's this very specific, you know, burning sensation in my chest and I don't like it uh, versus people who are like, I don't know. Uh, so the, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to hear more from you about, uh, cause you were talking about how, um, your yoga practice helped you remember your body. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about kind of the cycle of, of forgetting and remembering uh, the body and some things that can contribute to both. Yeah. Well, so that's an interesting question. When did I forget my body? If, I'm gonna, if I remembered it, that means at some point in time, I, for, I forgot about it. Um, you know, I think my particular story of growing up in a home with uh, alcoholic parents is that there isn't a lot of body awareness, right? There's a lot of numbing, right? So I feel like I came in to the world in an environment that had a lot of numbing and never encouraged me or wasn't shown by example, right, to how to feel the body, right? And so my remembering feels spiritual, like that I, I went through some process in my yoga to, to turn on, or I mean, it's already turned on, but to activate my, my awareness with my body and to get that synchronized in a way that wasn't um, supported in, in my upbringing. So I, I came to or remembered my body that way. And, you know, just over time, I, I often describe it as an unthawing, you know, that because of my history and, and my trauma story, you know, there was a lot of freezing and, and numbness that comes uh, with, with that. And it's slowly over time, you know, I had a movement practice for pretty steady movement practice for 20 years that everything just kind of came online in a way because I was inviting it because I was willing to, to be with it and to try. And uh, the unthawing happened. And, and it's like a, it's like a second birth or something. It's like suddenly I have this first birth with certain limitations. And then I have a second birth that really um, gave me more of myself. I'm really intrigued with, with the language you're using around having having the second birth it's a it's a concept it's a it's a wording concept that that shows up in uh well for sure in my spiritual tradition this idea of being being born again uh but but it's interesting to maybe see how that plays out in in a really uh in a, in a really embodied physical sort of way like uh and, and i'm kind of wondering about like the intersection of maybe say i am pursuing a greater spiritual awareness and there's certainly spiritual practices that will support that, uh, you know, pending your tradition. But it sounds like that might be augmented or accompanied by, uh, like, ideally, as you grow in spiritual health, you grow in at least not necessarily like physical, like athletic fitness, but uh, at least like a, a kindness to yourself or a greater, you know, mastery over yourself, um, like not being given over to you know, my tradition, we just you know, use the language of being given over to the passions, but we could talk about uh, no longer having compulsive relationships with this or that drug or experience or risky thing. And, um, and in that sense, uh, like the body can awaken along with this, along with the spirit and the, and the, like, like the, the, the softening, the becoming aware of both seems like they, they would complement each other really well. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it is really spiritual. I mean, of course, the body is spiritual. And of course, the experience we can have uh, spiritual, even spiritual experiences that are very much from the body and embodied. And, you know, every time we gain more knowledge of ourselves, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, we are rebirthing in some way. I mean, we are becoming anew in some way. We are <laughs> like different in the most basic way, right? In some way, we're, we're uh, getting more of ourselves, And I think that the spiritual path is, that's really for me, all it's about is, you know, to grow in spirit is to grow in to my fullness of being, right? To grow into all of myself. Um, and to grow into all of yourself, you have to have compassion. You have to have the ability to be with all of you. And, and a lot of that requires compassion. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's so much spiritual intertwinement with, with the body and um, with these experiences. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm just thinking about the, the compassion and, and everything, and you know, it's, you know, it's in, it's in my tradition. I mean, it's it's like you know, like a cornerstone. You know, you know, love your neighbor. You know, love God, love your neighbor, and uh, and how that gets described in in the biblical text is there's there's like a little bit of like a cognitive aspect to it, but there's there's, there's a lot of just like here's how it's played out, and and a lot of instruction for here's how to live a life of love. Here's how to mm -hmm. live a life that is compassionate. Uh, toward toward others, toward your community, toward your vulnerable people, uh, you know, you know, toward toward yourself as well. So, I mean, <laughs> we're, uh, there's not specific instructions on how to exercise, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how to have awareness in your body, right, right. <clears throat> right. But but we can infer that you know, as one is becoming a a peaceful person, and as one like cultivates the inner life, you know, at some point, if that's a real thing, that will show up in how your outer life lives and you know, in my tradition too. I mean, we look at a lot of these, uh, a, a lot of the saints and they're, <laughs> they're gentle people. They're mm -hmm. a lot of them are ascetics, but they're, they're very, you know, active in caring for people and active in, in serving those around them. And yeah. in that sense, like not, not just like embodying, but also incarnating uh, compassion as well. Yeah. So. I think it's an important piece of the somatic approach, like, you know, a somatic therapeutic approach is that, you know, all of us have really hard things that happen in our lives, right? All of us have, you know, the Buddhists call this the realm of suffering, you know, that we as humans are living in a realm of suffering. We're living in a realm of other things too, but we are living in a realm that has suffering. And that is going to be part of your body experience and it's not always going to feel good and the body isn't always going to experience pleasure or even contentment and there's going to be um, really hard things that happen and if you want to expand or i like to say like spiritual life to me is about expanding or evolving Right, you will have to meet some places in yourself and in your your body mind system that are painful, you know, emotionally painful, physically painful, and that I hope that the somatics that people are using are 
you know, doing that in a way, I'm sure they are, that it has to be met with compassion, right? If we're not meeting it with compassion and um, care, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for those things that our body is holding to expand or transform in any kind of way. Yeah. I can have all of the, all of this awareness and have all of all of this wisdom and how to have all of this insight. But if I have not love, then, uh, what's, what's the point of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well said. Yeah. I'm loosely paraphrasing St. Paul there, but, uh, <laughs> so on that, I wonder if he, uh, could offer some thoughts around the, the, the process a little bit as we're talking around gaining awareness, remembering the body, coming back into oneself, kind of facilitating the, the undying. Um, and and I, I love that idea of the, the, the undying of just, you know, the melting, the softening. <laughs> and also it's, it's, it can be very slow as well. The way that, uh, a, a glacier melting takes a long time. Yeah. And it can be, for me, it was an undying, but for someone else, it can be like, you know, like my sensate, my sensate body, my felt sense was missing in my awareness, right? Because of my story. And for someone else, it can be the other way where like where the sensate material is so much and it's so big and it's coming in all the time. So it might be less of an unthawing for them and more of a, uh, a calming or a soothing, right? So how, we do transform through the body is going to be really different for everybody that completely makes sense because yeah. <laughs> people just have different experiences really different experiences yeah. and how their systems manage those experiences is very very different yeah yeah but, for, but your for... question is around like how like getting into practices yeah yeah and i'm thinking about a lot of the folks that i work with who will say they, they don't have a lot of a body awareness or like when I say, can you shift your focus like inwardly there, they, they draw a blank. Or yeah. uh, when I ask about, Hey, where do you feel sadness in your body? They're just like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Th things like I have that. a lot to say about that. <laughs> sure. Go for it. You know, I think for a lot of people just going inside or actually feeling physical content related to emotions because emotions are so physical is hard and can be really scary and can be the place where like all the trauma story is held and happens. So I, I do think there's a lot of um, steps that we can take towards being even able to work up to something like that, you know? Um, and I definitely think, you know, movement systems like yoga or Qigong or Tai Chi or just like any of these movement systems that have been created around awareness can be a great place to start, right? Because then if you go to a yoga class, like an awareness-based yoga class, and you do a lunge, they'll say, feel your foot, right? And so then you get to start to say, well, can I feel my foot? What does my foot feel like, right? And that for a lot of people is a lot safer and a lot easier than like, tell me what sadness feels like, you know? So just getting involved in some kind of movement system that is awareness-based um, and lets your awareness, you know, have some focus, I think is, is a really skillful thing to do. Um, I also think just like 
being curious about your body throughout the day, you know, just like, oh, I'm standing here doing the dishes is where's my weight in my feet? Where's my, um, you know, what's the feeling of the soap on my hands? Like just to start to ask the body like, oh, what, you know, what, what does it feel like right now to start to just be in a more of a curious relationship with it is a really um, hard to remember to do. But when you remember really um, usually simple for people, I have this practice um, when I'm teaching embodiment to folks that I have them do where they lie down on the floor or they can sit up whatever they want to do for a few minutes. We set a timer, like maybe three minutes, and I just have them start naming out loud any sensation of any kind. Like if I did it right now, you know, I can feel uh, the pressure placed between my knees because they're crossed. And I can, I can feel the weight of my glasses on my, on my nose. So there's some pressure there. And I can feel a little heat in my cheeks. Yeah, just to like give yourself some time to go to the places in your body that are easy and feel safe. That you can just be like, oh yeah, I, I feel that. I feel, you know, my foot sitting on the floor. I feel... <clears throat> this little tickle in my throat, you know? Um, so, and like anything, it's a practice. Like if we are wanting more access to our body, it is practice. It takes time because most of us weren't taught that growing up and the culture doesn't really promote that so well, right? Especially as we live in screen age and, and everything. And so it really is, a it does require some commitment to being like, okay, I, I do want to maybe see what, well, one, what my relationship with my body is like and what kind of relationship I could have with it by offering it some more attention. I really love that. And I really love the way that a lot of the examples you talked about are really common everyday occurrences. Uh, like, like everybody has a kitchen sink. Uh, some, <laughs> some people should use them more than others. Uh, <laughs> uh, but 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 everybody has their feet on the ground at some point or their feet up against a couch or something and yeah. everybody takes a breath and there's a breath, these the breath really, is the best one right i mean it's like kind of our counseling cliche like you know take a deep breath but there, there's a reason for that it's that mm -hmm. thing it's this sensory thing that's always with us and mm -hmm. one of the other notes i think about what you're talking about a lot of the uh, experiences you were talking about were really gentle and uh, really can be done really calmly and you're talking about how uh, the way society is set up doesn't always promote a lot of awareness and I think one aspect of that is that yes screens <laughs> insert rant on screens uh, but also just like uh, extremes and risks and these high adrenaline things yeah. I think there's a lot of access in our society to these really intense experiences whether yeah. it's drugs whether it's porn whether it's video games whether it's you know bungee jumping or or super 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 rich food uh, and, and I almost feel like there's a way that there's a, a sense of those things that there's a way that you feel those, but there's a way that when a sensation becomes so intense, it, you can kind of hide behind it and you know, fixate on just here's this intensity, here's this thing that's giving me a lot of dopamine as a way of like not feeling other sensations or other senses yeah. or, or other feelings. Yeah, because then you're training your system to only be able to feel at that high of a level. Right. And I think that's one of the, th I mean, I, I very much had that in the yoga system. You know, I was someone who could like not 
because I trained well, but just from my genetics, I could like put my leg behind my head and I can like, you know, do these big back bends and I could do these really extreme movements in my body where I'd feel a lot, you know, I'd feel my muscles stretching and, and over time, as I got more into awareness-based body practices and, and somatics, you know, I, you, you start to be able to feel the subtle more, right? Now I can lay down and feel like a whole forest inside of my body. And it's so subtle, right? And so, but it does take training to get there. And if we're always in this space where all the sensation comes from big, right? it's you're missing kind of going the other way into the subtle and i think that people i mean you would be able to tell me more than i know but i think because we are so disembodied as a culture typically you know we really live in our heads a lot and our attention is stolen from us all day long you know that uh we don't we have to have stuff that big to even feel yeah Absolutely. It's, uh, we could think of it as, as tolerance in a sense. Uh, that's certainly language that we use in, in the addictions recovery world is, uh, you gain a tolerance to a substance, which means, uh, you, how that plays out is you need more of it to get the same effect. or in kind of the, 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 the sexual world, it means needing, you know, more and more novel content, more intense, mm -hmm. more extreme, more risky content. Mm -hmm. And you know, part of what that is, it's uh, it's 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 the brain's adaptation to saying, well, there's this intense experience that's happening all of the time, and it's not normal. But we're going to adjust our internal levels to pretend like it's normal, so yeah. we can survive it. Yeah. And uh, and in that sense, yeah, like our 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 baseline for 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 normal gets just like raised really high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. And the more you, you have access to feeling the subtle, right? As it, when you practice and you, and you do the practices of going more towards the subtle, you know, though, for me, those extremes, they became just way too no, I, much. I, I really like, love that. And I really love, um, yeah, bringing that awareness to what, what you were talking about. You become more accustomed, you become more aware of the, the subtleties and and in that sense the the, the intensities be, become a little bit too much uh, after too a while much, yeah um so that was my experience yeah yeah i, I mean i think i've experienced that as, as well uh, on some different levels um like i know what, one of my things that i've had to be careful with is how i consume media and how i consume shows and uh you know certainly i uh, have had the experience which back then i experienced it as fun of the i'm gonna stay up all night binging lost and uh you know watching four you know four hours of television at, at a stretch uh at one point in my life was, was kind of enjoyable and at, at this point in my life um like like one episode a night is like kind of kind of pushing it just because i've been mm. trying to step back from it because i was noticing this is a dissociative experience for me and mm -hmm once I get caught up in the story world, like I kind of don't have a lot of presence after that or a lot of mm. mental functioning or it, mm -hmm. there's a, a drunkenness that, that came after that. And so mm. now I'm like, well, okay, if, if I'm going to watch TV, it has to be the last thing I do in the day. And then I go to bed uh, mm -hmm. and like, really like, like watching more than in like an hour or so is, is it, it's not as fun anymore or it just feels like yeah. kind of overwhelming. Yeah. So, 
and you wouldn't have gotten to that unless you were able to feel that like oh I there's like this drunkenness afterwards or I feel just like that to me those are even body sensations there's this disassociative feeling you know those are because you have that awareness right that starts to inform your choices very much so and and, and I think that's of any awareness-based system, whether it's the body or not. But since we're speaking about the body, you know, the more awareness you have, the more knowledge you gain. And the more knowledge you gain, the more choice you have, right? And it's that awareness to knowledge to choice that really has this tremendous uh, effect on our lives, right? To just have the freedom to make informed choices based on the knowledge that we're getting from our from our awareness that's really what it's all about yeah that feels really good uh bringing that informedness and that consent to to all of your life uh i mean we, I mean, we for sure talk about like consents you know for sure in like sexual scenarios which absolutely we must but uh you know but it seems like there, there's a lot of choices you can make you know before it's like hey how do i get this person off of me uh there's a lot of other choices you have access to throughout your day about a lot of life Mm -hmm. of like do i need to eat this or not do i need to watch this or not do i need Mm -hmm. to move my body or not do i need to you know uh Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so so then as a so sounds like if somebody were interested in this and becoming aware of maybe all that they don't yet have awareness of and wanted mm-hmm. to pursue this awareness sounds like a, a gentle start is really good yeah and i think that you know we have this old saying in, in one of the yoga systems they study and like start where you are right you don't want to like you know if if someone is you know has a busy life and and they're moving around a lot and and they coming to an awareness practice it's maybe not going to help them to just sit them down and meditate that's that's going to be like a shocking <laughs> change in their system right so you just maybe that you go into just like a movement system that that has awareness and maybe is a little slower than the pace that you're at but isn't um isn't like this shocking distance so it's the same for, you know, any practice, the practice with the body. I want to, I want to engage with something that I, I can do, right? It should be realistic and attainable is what my good friend, Lucy Hackbird always says, whatever practice that you're going to do, it should be realistic and attainable for your system right now. And, you know, as a med- I'm also a meditation teacher who leads, you know, meditation retreats. And I have seen so many people like, never meditated for a day and then they're on like a 10-day silent retreat and it's so intense for their systems right and bless their hearts for their intentions of being there but you know the same is true with somatics practice like what what's like a realistic and attainable step to take does that mean you know once a week i'm going to try this yoga class that seems like it would be a right fit or you know is there a guided uh something that i can do meditation practice that i can do some you know just what what will work for you if you're a walker you know and you typically walk with your podcast on and and or with another person and you're talking like maybe you take a walk where there's no distractions right and then you can start to be more aware of paying attention to your legs and your feet and your breath so I try to, you know, when I work with people on this, I just, I try to like, what's, what's the first movement towards this that isn't some giant 
change in your system yet. I really, really deeply resonate with that from from watching my own experience, from watching the the clients that I work with, from also like how um, how like the the disciplines are taught in my in, in my faith tradition. It's it's very much this you know uh, you know start where you are, do do a little bit, uh, do a little bit consistently, but yes, but consistency is key. Yeah, but 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 just a little bit, and and I almost get the sense like even like quality is almost a little bit secondary you know as long as you're because if you're doing it consistently and kind of open to making adjustments as you go like that that becomes the most important thing yeah and sometimes you're gonna have the intention to take a walk and feel your legs you know for five strides and you can't (laughs) like you get maybe half a stride in or none at all and then some days you can you can have that intention and it really works and i totally agree with you like it's really about consistency and the and and we know this a lot from meditation practice like if you just keep showing up if you just keep sitting down if you just keep putting your attention there it will have an effect it will have an effect right so a few walking strides a few mindful breaths noticing the soapy water yeah uh, you know feeling your feet so yeah i'm even thinking like gosh just like what if you have a little timer on your phone that goes off every 25 minutes and you just be like, Oh, what, what, what do I feel in my body right now? Yeah. Just that. Yeah. You know, that that could be really good. Yeah. And I do love this practice of lying on the ground and, and really just naming when I have people do it, I have them say it out loud, even if they're by themselves so that there's something about, the sensation getting to the language that is um, helpful in really knowing it, right? To put language to a sensation. It's not always necessary. And there's times where maybe that wouldn't be needed. But I think especially in the beginning, like these felt sense words, you know, we use this thing called felt sense words, which is like, what is the word that really describes the sensation. And when we're looking for that word, we're having to really look at the sensation. And so if I'm feeling pressure, right? Pressure is a felt sense word, tingling, warmth, uh, scratchy, you know, it's it's really the word that describes the sensation. And if we're we're having to come up with a word, it, it really helps us focus on on the sensation itself. So mm-hmm. if someone sits down or lays down and just starts speaking their felt, felt sense words out loud, even just for a minute, that's a wonderful practice. That seems like it would be because it's another way, yet yet another way of engaging yet another sense, yet another body organ, embodying the sense in an yet another way. And and I'm thinking like you're talking around the value of doing that, do not uh, on your own, which yes, but I'm thinking about how like speaking is kind of a relational thing too. I'm thinking about how like in the interconnectedness between systems, between people is yeah. yet uh, an even deeper way of the body becoming real and and the awareness becoming real and really powerful. And I don't know, I, I, I camp on community a lot as like really essential for a lot of things. <laughs> so Totally. Well, when out- I teach that practice, I'm always teaching it in workshops and I have them do it in pairs. So one person lies down and, and does the reporting and the other person is the listener, right? And then they switch and the listeners get just as much like learning about their own bodies, right? As this other person is reporting their body, it encourages them to check in like, 
oh yeah, what's it like in my shoulder? This person just said, what's in its shoulder? So I really appreciate that, the relationality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's given me some ideas for for trying some stuff out <laughs> in group. Try it out. Try okay. use it with people. Yeah. Okay, we'll do it. It'll be Steal great. Steal it. Take it. Run with it. It's yours. Absolutely. I'll run and I'll feel my legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jenny, if somebody is listening and uh, interested in learning more about uh, the body, learning more about awareness, or about uh, Hokomi in particular, uh, what are some some resources? Uh, books, podcasts, or other things that you'd recommend? You know, I would say that one of my great teachers, and again, this is more of a meditative system, but I think that he really um, offers it in a very accessible way, even for people who are uh, maybe turned off by meditation, that, you know, his name is Reginald Ray, and he has, uh, well, it was a CD series. I don't think anyone uses CDs anymore, but it's called Meditating with the Body. And a lot of the practices are done lying down. So you're not even having to sit up for long periods of time. And I I recommend that a lot to people. It's, uh, I mean, it is spiritual, it's Buddhist. So there is a, it has spiritual undertones to know about. Um, But he's really offering just ways to experience the body, you know, from a very uh, focused place. So I really um, love his work and I love, that beginning practice and and i think his website is dharma ocean d-h-a-r-m-a and they even teach 12-week courses on that so you can take a meditating with the body 12-week course uh, that they run pretty often i think um gosh there's so many resources uh you know really finding a practice that that to me is the big thing and i think in community is good like you're saying so again like you know, maybe checking out a local yoga studio or yeah, some kind of movement place that, that offers maybe a little more slow or subtle movement. Um, what else can I suggest? There's just body centered therapists, right. Who can sit with you and help you um, explore what's happening in the the sphere of the body. Um, so those exist in the world. See, I'm not giving you enough concrete things. What else? I think one of the best books that I've really read on embodiment and, and is the same guy, Reggie Ray. He has this um, book called Touching Enlightenment. And again, it has it's Buddhist, so it, it has um, spiritual conversation. It's like a textbook a little bit about embodiment. So I, it's one of those books you can kind of just open at a page and read a sentence and you're like, hmm, I got a lot for the week. If you do read it cover to cover, it's, it's probably one of the best things I've ever read on the relationship between the mind and the body and the spirit and just like the whole organism um, through a felt lived sense of the body. I, I highly recommend that book. That sounds great. I, yeah. I really appreciate the resources, and uh, I love that there's a lot, and that they're they, they can be kind of specific. Uh, and, and yeah, so so folks, there's a lot of resources out there to to read, to listen to, and some groups and practices out there. If uh, if this is resonating with you, and uh, and for you, Jenny, if someone wanted to reach out to you in particular to talk more about these things uh, or to yeah. to work with you, uh, where where can you be found? 
Yeah, you can just go to my website, which is my name, jennyheo.com. Cool. That is great. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you so much for for being here and for yeah. sharing some story and some practice. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've gotten a lot to, to think about. Um, I'm totally like checking my body now. And... Good. Let's all do it. Ready, everybody? Yeah. Take a moment. Name one thing you feel in your body. Okay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. Well, thank you again so very much. And um, yeah, we'll have to I'll have to do this again sometime. I'd love it. Cool. Okay. Right. Thanks, Reese. Thanks, Jenny. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Thank you for joining me in today's conversation. My name is Reese Basimio. I'm an Eastern Orthodox Christian and a clinical counselor with specialties in substance use, compulsive behaviors, sexuality, and trauma. You can reach me through newpatterncounseling.com. This episode was mastered by Breakfast Puppies. Theme music is by Titus Lockard. Please like, rate, review, and share this podcast from all your favorite platforms. Please also consider showing your support of this work through contributing dollars through the podcast page at patreon.com slash outer circle. Thank you and see you next time.